Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Bombs Away podcast. I'm CJ Baumgartner, and we got some news to break down. Uh, first, I have been gone for a while. It's been uh, probably about a month and a half since we've done a podcast. We took a little bit of a break from it as... Uh, First, I got married, so that was a, a little bit of that. I was gone for a lot of October doing that with getting ready and the honeymoon and all that kind of stuff. So now I've been back. The Twins were out of the playoffs. There was some stuff to talk about. I wrote some pieces for zone coverage. Uh, there wasn't a, a ton of Twins chatter. I kind of wanted to let the season breathe a little bit and kind of get focused and ske- and uh, steered toward this offseason because once we got into that latter part of September, we pretty much already reviewed why the Twins are about to collapse and, and why why not to put all the blame on Baldelli and, and kind of some of those later things that you can go back and listen to the last few episodes of the podcast. But now we have a chance to look towards the future and we have some stuff to break down. And there's about three big things that I can break down in this podcast just off the top of my head alone. And I don't know how long this podcast is going to be. It's just going to be my 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 thoughts here on some of the most recent breaking Twins news over the last maybe three days or so. The first one, we're going to get the giant elephant out of the room, uh, in the room, out of the way, and that's the Twins' new uniforms. This has been something that they've been hyping up pretty much since the start of the offseason, even into early September when the team fell off the cliff. You already saw, like, Twins media officials releasing information on, hey, next year Target Field's going to have a bigger scoreboard and Minnie and Paul is going to have a new look and and all this kind of stuff at at the ballpark. And you're not going to want to miss it. Be sure to to come back to Target Field next year. Please don't. Please don't look at the team on the field. Please look at what we're doing next year. And then they also had the story about the new uniforms. This team was getting a new logo, new uniforms, a complete rebrand from where they've been. And the Twins have had little tweaks here and there. The uniform change on the home unis in 20 for the 2015 season, getting away from the home print stripes, putting in the gold. Um, and then, of course, was the new road uniforms, or now the last iteration of the road uniforms uh, that they unveiled in 2010 when they moved into Target Field. Uh, also, and like there have been little uniform changes here and there, but the Twins' uniform has stayed the same. Classic block numbers. And the home uniform has had the twins across the front with an underline below the, the part of the twins that says win. And that's been the twins logo since 1987. The twins have pretty much been off of that. They haven't had, they've done little tweaks here and there, but they've pretty much been the same team stylistically since 1987. And from 1961 to 1987, of course, was the classic twins in cursive across the front for their home uniform. And then the away uniforms were the grays and the blues. But for the most part... It was the the pinstripes with the twins on the front, like you see the twins wore throwbacks when they first went into Target Field. And then in the twins last year in the Metrodome, they had the white uniforms with the twins in cursive across the front. It was more red, white, and blue than the first twins uh, home uniform. Uh, that's a whole it's a whole thing. Uh, but so the point is, is the twins haven't really un- had an undertaking like this in terms of their look since 1987. That's been a long time ago. 1987, my dad was in high school. So, like, it's been a while since this, since the Twins have done things like this. So, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's going to be a really interesting look because they're going to look different 
than how we've ever seen them before. And they had a chance at the Mall of America Rotunda earlier today. Uh, by the way, it was going to be, uh, I thought it was going to be live streamed by the twins. I was at their, I was like just wanting to see the uniforms, went to their Facebook page, their Twitter page, Instagram. I couldn't see a dang thing. Turns out, according to Bjorn Park of, uh, of, of, um, of, of, uh, MLB.com. Jeez, I'm, I'm blanking on this. According to him, uh, uh, they weren't live streaming it at all. So I, I just, Again, the Twins have are going through their first major rebrand since 1987. They're doing it at the Mall of America Rotunda, and they weren't live-streaming it from their own team account. I know places like Fox 9, and I'm sure a couple other places were streaming it as well uh, on the internet, but dudes, it's the t- this is the team account. What are you doing? This is a big move. You, The Twins have been hyping this move up for the last two months. And then they're like, all right, our uniforms are getting put out. You're going to put it out on social media? Only in pre-produced pictures. We're not going to live stream the event. And it's like, well, it was only like 10 minutes. You couldn't put it up on, on the team's social media page? And, and it just gets more to the current state of baseball. And it's like, why aren't you hyping up your own product more? I guarantee you if the Vikings or the Wolves did an event at the Mall of America Rotunda, they would live stream the event. And I feel, I guarantee you, I guarantee you this was the main thing of like, oh, well, should we live stream it? No, no, we want people to actually go to the event. And I get that sentiment, I do, uh, but... The place was full, and the place was going to be full regardless. The Twins were launching out their new uniforms, and Buxton, Arise, Polanco, Ryan, Miranda, all those guys were going to be there. So people were going to show up for that reason. Uh, If it was just some people in uniforms and there's only like one guy there, maybe people wouldn't come. But there was enough big names there to solicit people going out of their own free admission, even if they weren't able to get there. Uh, Even if, or even if they could have the choice to live stream. I think people would make that choice to go there if they had a live stream or to go. If you were able to go, you would still have likely gone. Plus, it's the Mall of America in the middle of November on a Friday. Yeah, people are going to be there. I know it's a Friday morning, but people are going to people are gonna show up to that. There will be people there. Anyway, I need to get my twin scrapes off my plate. I don't. I can't tell if it's more the twins or the state of Major League Baseball as a whole, but the twins are the only one doing it this time. So, like, I just... Guys, live stream your event. Put it on... You can put all those pictures out later. The twins dumped all of those pictures of the different uniforms and the different things, which we will get to, I promise, um, and all that kind of stuff. You could slowly have put it out over the course of the day to just keep hammering it home to people but they dumped it out all at once i just think i think that could have been done better but what do i know i'm i don't work for the twins so maybe there's a better reason for that i know nothing i'm just a podcaster but uh i would have done it differently had i been in charge of that um anyway so here let's get to the twins new uniforms uh so let's first start off with one of the uniform let's first start off with the fact of the twins are going very minimalist with these new uniforms. They're, now, baseball uniforms always really don't have a ton going on anyways. Basketball uniforms, hockey hockey sweaters, uh, even football from time to time. I feel like football and and baseball, maybe I'm wrong here, end up being the most basic out of all team uniforms. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because of, like, I don't I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe it's just because, like, they're harder to wear, like, out on the street. I don't, I don't know. But it always feels like there's a lot less going on with baseball and football uniforms. Uh, but 
Anyway, let's take a look at the Twins' main uniform. They went very minimalist on this one. The logo for the TC isn't as refined. It isn't as thin. It's a little bit thicker. It's a little bit looser. Uh, if you look at the new TC logo, it's kind of like that hand-drawn, maybe is the word I would use for the new TC logo. It looks a little bit more like when you're sketching in your notebook when you're bored in the fifth grade and you just write the TC logo in your notebook. That's kind of how it makes me feel. Now, obviously, it looks. I think it looks better on a hat than it does on, like, a promotional material on the internet. I think, like, if I were to see the hat in the team store, I think I would really like it. Uh, but I think if I see it on the internet, I think I'm not as insane about it. Uh, but let's look at the Twins. Home uniforms. The home whites have taken on a brand new look. So it's a bit of a mix of the young and the old. So the Twins across the front is bigger. It's a little bit thicker, I think, in my mind. It's the cursive twins, but it's not quite the way it looked on the old uniform. Twins is in cursive across the front, but instead of the S wrapping all the way around over uh, the word twins, it just highlights the word win. And I I really like that. I think it's a good mix of young and old uh, of the uniforms. It's a good kind of, we're moving into a newer direction, but we're still taking pieces of what the uniform has been. The numbers to me look a little bit too much like the Seattle Mariners numbers. So that's going to take some getting used to. Um, that's going to take a little bit of getting used to. The one thing I like is that the the Twins are going back to having a number on the front of the jersey like they used to on their home uniforms pre-2015. Uh, but the number on the front of the jersey is blue and the number on the back is red. And the letters on the back shoulder are blue. Uh, I think it's really, I think it's really nice. I th and then Minnie and Paul is gone, which is the one thing uh, I think on the uniform. There's no Minnie and Paul shaking hands with the Twins logo. It's just a silhouette of Minnesota with a little star uh, right where the Twin Cities are at. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. It's not like the worst move ever. I still would have liked Minnie and Paul on there, but based on how the vibe of the uniform goes, I get it. Anyway, so there is. Uh, an alternate uniform that's going to be a home slash away alternate. It's a navy blue, dark navy blue, Minnesota, and white across the front, and um, all that good stuff in that regard. Uh, but I think the two uniforms I think that are going to get the most play is going to be the, the city edition uniforms, and that's one where it's cream colored. It says Twin Cities across the front in all cursive, and it has the Minneapolis, it has a flag, two flags that are crossed each other. One says Minneapolis, one says St. Paul. It's the TC logo, but it's it's the thicker TC. It's cream colored with a dark blue backdrop on the hat. I really like the City Edition uniforms, but I think my favorite uniform out of all of them that the Twins had is uh, the new road uniforms. The Twins are back in pinstripes on the road. I can't tell you how excited I am that they have pinstripes again for the road uniforms. Uh, it's stupid. I know it is to get this excited about a jersey that I will inevitably not buy, but... It is pretty darn cool. Uh, they got the pinstripes back, and they got rid of the cursive Minnesota. It's back to block letters, but it's kind of in this new font that you'll see the Twins' alternate uniforms for the road and home say the same thing. But it's a navy blue Minnesota across the front, uh, red numbers on the front of the jersey as well, and then on the back it's the red numbers with the, with the blue name. Of course, on the left sleeve you have the picture of Minnesota, and 
I don't think there was anything on the right sleeve. So that's how these uniforms look. The one drawback, and this one maybe you'll get some flack, maybe doesn't, uh, the M on the hats. It's a brand new M. I'm glad that they're incorporating the M back on the hats. I'm glad about that. I think it's nice to have a little bit of a shakeup. And if you're the Twins, it means you can sell two different kinds of hats. But uh, I, I think the M hat was a good move. But I think the execution maybe could have been better. Now, the, it's just a block M with a little red star above it because Minnesota's the North Star. And, like, the Wolves do this a little bit too. But, like, they're the Timberwolves, so, like, the Wolves howl up at the sky, howl up at the star. That makes sense. The star on the Twins uniforms for the North Star doesn't make any sense. Like, the Wild don't even incorporate the North Star. Uh, the, the Vikings don't really incorporate the North Star either. You can see the Twins and the Wolves really leaning into this. But, like, man, I don't know. I just don't think... I think it's unnecessary to put the North Star in there uh, for for the hat. I think you could leave it out uh, and, and just have a nice M. But the reason I think they have to put the North Star in there is because the M looks exactly like the Miami Marlins M. It looks exactly like the Miami Marlins M. So, and both teams have, like, a dark blue. Maybe the Marlins more is black, but it's still of, like, on a solid kind of darker color backdrop. If you're not paying attention that much, I could see you easily confusing the Miami Marlins hat with the Minnesota Twins hat. Like, if you're not looking at it that hard, I could totally see somebody screwing that up. But, uh, I don't know, whatever. That's So, my two main gripes with the uniforms, I think, one, I actually underratedly liked the gold on the Twins home uniforms, and I, I, like, that was a nice little touch. I get maybe it didn't exactly fit with the color scheme, but, like, it's limestone. Target Field is a lot of limestone. I kind of get it. It made the uniform pop a little bit. It gave it some color. I didn't hate it. So, like, I'm not, I didn't love it that much, or I'm not upset they didn't keep it, but, like, I liked it, and I'm sad to see it go. But my main two gripes are the numbers look a little bit like Seattle's, and the font kind of looks the way the S's kind of have the points. Uh, you'll have to look. You'll have to look at the uniforms for sure. But my main two gripes are, you can check it, by the way, on the Bombs Away uh, Twitter page and Facebook page. If you go to our pages, uh, we have the pictures up there. So go check those out. Uh, but I think the, the numbers and the letters and the font look a little bit too close to the Seattle Mariners. So outs And then the M, looking a little bit too much like the Miami Marlins. So there's a little bit of that. That being said, uh, another underrated version that I think should not go unnoticed is the Twins have a big red, white, and blue stripe going down the side of the pants. Before for the Twins, it was just a thin little black line going down the pants. No, on the away uniforms, on the home uniforms, it is all this thick stripe, and it makes the pants pop, and it's something that I really love. You might say, CJ, you're spending a lot of this time on an audio podcast talking about things that are visual. And yeah, it's kind of dumb. But we're talking about jerseys, and it's kind of dumb, and it's November, and there's some stuff, twin stuff going on we're going to get to here. But, hey, let's get excited about some new Twins unis. I don't think I'm going to buy any of this stuff at the store. I think maybe I'll wait for some of the old stuff to go on clearance and clean some of it up. But that being said, these if I was going to buy any uniform out of, if I'm going to rank these uniforms best to least best, um, there's no one ugly one, I should say. So the Twins did good in that. There's no one uniform you're like, oh gosh, I can't watch them when they're wearing these uniforms. I think they avoided that, which is important when you do a rebrand. Best uniform, the road grays with the pinstripes. I love it. 
Love everything about it. If I could get a uniform, if I could buy a jersey of any of those four, I would buy the road grays with pinstripes. The second one I would buy is probably the Twin Cities cream color one because it's a little bit different than the standard one. It's cream color. It kind of it stands out when you look at it. If you're watching it on a screen, it just looks white, but in person, you'll you definitely be able to tell it's cream. Uh, but there's that. Uh, I think I would go the the twins white because I think the twins on the front makes it really pop. The curse, the new twins script on the front is kind of growing on me, so I like that. Uh, and then the Minnesota Navy Blues. I love the Navy Blue uniforms as a kid. I always loved it when the twins wore those ones. Uh, it's not my. It's not like I hate it, uh, but in terms of ones that get me excited, uh, it's definitely the. Uh, it's definitely kind of those three more above that get me more excited. Uh, anyway, I'm really excited the pinstripes are back. When I I didn't know they were coming back until I saw it. And as soon as I saw Jorge Polanco walk out with an on, I'm like, I believe it was Polanco. Maybe it was Moreno. I don't know. As soon as they walked out with it, I'm like, all righty then. Let's go. And, yeah, it's been – it was great. So it's a nice little thing. It's, it gives the Twins some positive PR. And, by the way – there's a reason that these uniforms came out a week before Black Friday and a, and a week before everybody starts Christmas shopping. They want to make sure all the kids see this on TV and say, Mommy, Daddy, I want, a, I want a Twins jersey. I want a new hat. I want this. Like, we need a Christmas present for your kid. Get them these new Twins gear. Get them the old Twins gear on sale uh, for clearance. But, like, I, th- I think that's... That's totally why they did it. When the Twins have had new uniforms before, they've kind of waited until like right before the regular season or like to before spring training, which I always thought was kind of dumb. Like build some momentum for the team in the off season when nobody cares about them to get people talking about the Twins, and here we are. But that being said, there's still some things to talk about the Twins that I need to get to, and one is a little bit of breaking Twins news here. Uh, I got to read it here. I just saw this buzz across my phone as I was doing, as I'm recording. Uh, the Twins have tendered a contract to reliever Emilio Pagan. What? I, what? They have tendered a contract, so he has been tendered. I, I, I'm going to, I, I'm going to need to do some, it's a, a, from Dan Hayes of The Athletic. So I want to uh, make sure that uh, I get this right, and I want to make sure that uh, all the information is correct on what they're saying. So let me see if I can scroll quick through Twitter and find. Um, uh, here we go. Yes, Emilio Pagan is uh, is uh, coming back. I don't I don't know how to feel. Uh, According to Dan Hayes, as soon as he broke it, his very next tweet, Today is like the perfect storm of polarizing topics on twin social media. New uniforms, trade a fan favorite, bring back Emilio Pagan. Um, I I don't know how to feel, man. Uh, it's We are not friendly to Emilio Pagan on this podcast, at least as a player. I'm sure as a guy, he's very nice. But like as a player, uh, he's not good. I don't understand why he could have been like, I know he wasn't the sole reason that the Twins sunk the ship last season. Far from it. But he was a major factor as to why. And even anecdotally, or just like, you know, you can't factually prove it. And maybe that's where I can get stumbled up on this argument. But like, just as a clubhouse, that guy blew so many saves for you. Get him out of there. Just show to the team that like, hey, this stuff isn't going to be like, even though it wasn't all his fault, 
we he lost games for us last season. We're not going to tolerate that. We saw what happened, and we're trying to move in a new direction. Now, of course, the Twins, brain trust, having sometimes the tendency to feel like they're the smartest people in the room, and be like, we can the Twins of the ultimate, we can fix him vibe. Uh, the Twins before, the old Twins were like, we can squeeze the last bit of baseball out of you. You want to keep playing in the big leagues, we still think you have some some potential to get out there. But the Twins now, they pick up guys and they're like, we think you can still play. Other the, These other teams have rejected you, and we think we can tweak your game and find a new level. The old Twins never found a new level. They were just kind of hoping they could squeeze out whatever was left. The Twins feel like they can squeeze another level out of these newer guys, which kind of differentiates them from the last front office. So it's not the same old Twins. These are the new... It's It just feels like same old Twins, but it's not quite. But Emilio Pagan coming back is not ideal. Um, I want to know how much money. Now, the Twins did it to avoid arbitration, which, like means that the Twins actively wanted to bring him back. They could have just said, thanks, but no thanks, you're out of here. It's not like they don't have a ton of options in the bullpen that they could go with outside of Emilio Pagan. I know there's like, you got to find depth and like whatever, and like everybody got hurt last year, so you need to make sure you have depth anyways. Pagan's just a guy. You can always cut him. You can always do whatever. I don't care because Emilio Pagan was demoted like three different times and yet still found his way to screw up games in the most important spot. Maybe that's anecdotally. Maybe somebody who's smarter than me can go on and bring up a stat and say he's actually fine. But if I hear people tell me, oh, he just had a bad month. Like, there was somebody like, he just had a bad month. And like, you can't judge his whole season off that. Yes, I can. Because he was shaky early in the season but got results. Then he was shaky and didn't get results. And then he was shaky but got but somewhat results in a demoted role. So don't tell me that bringing back Emilio Pagan is a savvy baseball move. I just want to look up uh, Emilio Pagan. Emilio Pagan stats. Because I, I want to get these uh, numbers up here for uh, our dear friend Emilio Pagan. Uh, according to baseball reference... He had a war last season, a wins above replacement. Let's see if we can get it here. He had a wins above replacement last season of negative 0.8. So he was below, he was a below value reliever, below average reliever that you decided to bring back. I I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand the fascination with Emilio Pagan. I get last season, you had to justify the Rodgers trade. I didn't like it, but you had to throw him out there to justify trading Taylor Rodgers because Chris Paddock went down. And I know Rodgers didn't have a great season, but still, I think I think Emilio Pagan was worse. Would have I think Taylor Rodgers would have been better than Emilio Pagan in that situation. Now, I know it's more about getting Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan was a throw-on piece, but now I don't even think that anymore. I think the Twins genuinely think they can get something out of Pagan. Now, according to Darren Wolfson of KSTP Sports, he made it sound like on Twitter that the Twins were trying to coach him and Pagan wasn't, like, super receptive to it. Like, he kind of felt like he, maybe super receptive isn't the right word, but, like, he felt like he trusted his stuff and he wanted to keep rolling with it and give it a shot and give it a shot and give it a shot. And maybe that's why he kept throwing his cutter, which kept getting obliterated last season. Um, I mean, I don't have time to do a quick deep dive just because I'm, I'm looking at the numbers right now, but if you look up, like, Emilio Pagan Baseball 
Savant, which is a great website if you don't know what Baseball Savant is. Go check out Baseball Savant uh, online. Uh, so Emilio Pagan, Baseball Savant. Let's look at it kind of gives some of those more underlying numbers to his game. Emilio Pagan uh, in... Uh, in 2022, uh, if we look at the numbers, so his average exit velocity uh, was somewhere at about 89.6. Uh, the biggest thing with Pagan is that really when it rained, it poured for him. When he was giving up the home runs, he was sure giving up a lot of home runs. And his weighted on-base average... Uh, contact, the the, the weighted uh, bacon, you know, whatever, the hard hit, you know, it's a 407, which is the highest of his career. Uh, his hard hit percentage, he was getting, uh, his career high last year was 45.5%. He lowered it down maybe like a half to three quarters of a percent, but it's still, both of them were the highest ever in his career. He has the ball get hit harder. The strikeout number rose, but so did the walks. It was it was nearly a career high, his second highest in his career in walks last season. Now, the Twins could say, look, he didn't listen to our coaching. Maybe if we bring him back, show we believe in him, show we can coach him again, maybe this thing will work. But if you look at this season, the Twins drastically reduced his cutter, and it still got absolutely destroyed. The Twins, uh, I don't, I don't, I just don't get this move. I don't get bringing back Emilio Pagan. I really don't. Uh at all. Maybe he has a reduced role. Maybe the Twins don't bring him into the same situation. Uh, but if you look, uh, Emilio Pagan gave up eight home runs last season, it appears. Uh, excuse me, 16. Or oh, Math is hard. Uh, here's the number. For 2022, he gave up 12 home runs. 12 home runs. Four off the four-seamer, four off the split finger, four off the cutter. Uh, and then you look, he got... Seven strikeouts off the cutter, 30 strikeouts off the split finger, 42 strikeouts off, strikeouts off uh, the four seam. His cutter had a 326 average uh, against. His fastball had a 218. Now, the reason is is he didn't throw a ton of cutters, so like maybe the numbers get skewed a little bit, but it's just when he tried to dip back into that cutter, uh, he got destroyed. Uh, his cutter, I mean, really, actually... I mean, he didn't throw his cutter a lot, I should say, on two strike pitches. Maybe is the right way to word it. I, I can't remember. I, I'm kind of just looking at these kind of on the fly with you because the news just broke as we were recording here. Uh, so he threw his fastball the most, 582 pitches last season. So that's over 50%. Then he kind of divided it half and half, leaning more towards the split finger. That was about 25%. So about 75% of his pitches were the four seam and the split finger. And then it was his cutter that he tried to throw. Now, when he could locate the cutter down and in, it was pretty good. Uh, but when he let that cutter get elevated, it got absolutely smashed. And the curve, he threw a curveball and a slider about 2% of the time, so very minimal. Uh, he really was a, a with the fast four-seam fastball, the split-finger fastball, and then the cutter. Uh, were the, his three main pitches. And whenever he went to the cutter, it always felt like he got hit. And as you can see, I know the sample size is a little bit smaller, uh, but I think it's smaller for a reason. It's the Twins don't really trust him to throw that pitch, and he would keep throwing that pitch, and it would keep getting hit. The Twins are extending an olive branch to him. We'll see if, we'll see if it works. I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel with this move. I mean, I know how to feel. Uh, I, uh, ah, Ah, why is Emilio Pagan back onto my favorite baseball team? I don't, 
I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Let's talk about something I do like because uh, the Twins, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second, actually. I forgot. There's a lot of breaking news that happened on today, as Dan Hayes mentioned on Twitter. Uh, there's a lot. We mentioned, so we mentioned the new uniforms. We mentioned bringing back Emilio Pagan. We mentioned uh, trading a fan favorite on Dan Hayes' tweet. Who's that fan favorite? Well, the Twins traded Gio Urshela to the Los Angeles Angels for Alejandro Hildago. Now, Alejandro Hildago is the uh, Hildago, uh, whatever. I I'm butchering it. I'm sorry, Alejandro. Uh, but uh, he was the Los Angeles' number 22 prospect in the Angels' farm system. He is a 19-year-old single-A ball uh, hurler. And basically what that means is he's a project guy. He's a guy that has some upside. He's 19 years old. He's not, I think, is estimated. He's estimated to get to the big leagues in like 2025. This is a guy that's not going to get to the Twins anytime soon. But he does give you a nice little developmental arm to throw into your, throw into your farm system. Uh, there's a lot of people who talk about this. The director of the MLB Draft, Prospects Live, uh, he's a big draft guy, Joe Doyle, on uh, Twitter. He says, Alejandro Hildago, nice pickup for the Twins. He's a quick arm with a high waist, great athlete, plus long levers. He's rain thin, only 19, so plenty of projection left, which means you have plenty of time to develop him. A low 90s fastball with some cut and some hop. Change up is the true weapon with conviction and tumble. Maybe a plus offering uh, curveball flashes with solid spin fringy. So essentially, it's like this is a guy who's raw but has some potential. And can the Twins tap into that and at least see how he races up through the farm system? The thing is, is that you're getting rid of Urshela. Now, I liked Urshela, but I don't. And I, he was a fan favorite, I think, because he had a lot of clutch hits in a year where the Twins got like zero clutch hits. Gio Urshela had like two walk off home runs, a walk off double. Uh, I get why fans like Gio Urshela. He's a very likable guy. He made great plays in the field. Um, his I really like his walk up song. Uh, there's a whole lot of things that fans like about Gio Urshela. His walk up song is "Building 429," where I belong. Great song. A lot of a lot of people in rural Minnesota especially like it. It's a Christian song, uh, but. Uh, outside of that, like he's just, I think it, the biggest reason he was a fan favorite is he got clutch hits, anecdotally at least. I mean, I don't have a number to prove that, but I think he got clutch hits, uh, the walk-off home runs and the walk-off doubles and all that kind of stuff. He felt like a guy who came up with big hits for the Twins all season long uh, in a team, in a year where the team had none of that. Carlos Correa had none of that. Byron Buxton has him early and then got hurt. Um, uh, there just wasn't a guy at the end of the season who really was getting clutch hits except for Gio Urshela. Maybe Jose Miranda can be thrown in there, but Urshela was kind of doing it through, at points throughout the season. And also, he was playing good defense, which is some things that other twins couldn't quite say, especially in the infield. Urshela played a nice third base. Now, the metrics don't really like his range. Uh, so, like, if you look at certain fielding stats, they might not like Urshela as much. I think outs above average actually has him as a below average defender. But... There's something to be said. I think you can take each stat and infer something and kind of culminate it to figure out how good a guy is. I think there's something to be said about just making the play in front of you. And it can if a ball is hit in your direction, can you if it's hit right at you, can you field it? Can you make a play? And if it's hit to your side, not can you go get it an extra foot more than anybody else, but can you still make a diving play, come up with the ball, and go get it? And Urshela was able to do that. He flashed the leather a few times. The defensive metrics didn't quite like him. His fielding percentage was fine, uh, but I thought he was a good fielder, anecdotally. And maybe 
maybe that's true. Like maybe like I'm trying to find maybe unanecdotally, he was still a good hitter. Uh, so so there's that with Gio Urshela. They traded him to the Angels. I think the Angels said they're going to put him more at first base because they have Anthony Rendon making a lot of money. Don't worry, Angels fans. Anthony Rendon will be hurt soon enough, and he'll be playing uh, third base. And interesting move now. On speaking of, so you get rid of uh, you get rid of Urshela, which pretty much means that Jose Miranda is the Twins' starting third baseman. I think that that's what this move means. It stinks to see. Uh, Gio Urshela go. He had a 282 batting average. He had a, he flashed the glove a little bit. He had some nice hits. He's a fun player. He's a he's a nice player to put in the bottom third of your lineup. He'll be missed, but I don't think this make or breaks the 2023 Twins in in any move or the other. If you liked him and you're sad to see him go, I feel that. But I don't like. I'm I'm sorry for you. Like I I it stinks when players you like leave. But I think I think this isn't gonna hurt the Twins. I think on the field. Uh, as much as maybe some other moves would have. But I think this means Jose Miranda is your starting third baseman for the Minnesota Twins. I think that's what that means. Miranda's going to go there. First base looks like it's Arise and Kirilov. And I wrote last week uh, in my piece for zone coverage, where's Arise going to go? Because he doesn't really have a positional home. He's not a standard first baseman. Miranda looks like he's going to pencil in at third. The corner outfields are pretty much taken unless Kepler, Larnick, or Kirilov moves. And Kirilov is going to play some first base. And now it appears Kirilov and Arise are the two guys who look like to pencil in at first base. But this also could open up the Twins to go trade for, a, or to go trade or sign, because they have all this money, to go sign a designated hitter. Go get one. Go do that. A Jose Abreu type has been kind of the name thrown around on social media. Maybe the Twins don't have enough money to land Abreu if they're going after a guy named <coughs> Carlos Correa. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, but I think that's the play if you're the if you're the Twins is to go get now that designated hitter. You need that. They didn't get a standard DH last season because they kind of used it with Buxton and Correa and whoever. They, they made it a revolving door of DHs, which I don't hate. If you have a bunch of guys you can put in that spot, but the Twins really didn't last year, especially as the season kept going on. They really needed a bona fide DH, and they couldn't quite get one. Maybe they were hoping Miguel Sano would transition to that role as the season went on, but he got hurt in April, uh, and now he's not with the team anymore, and that's a whole podcast in itself that maybe we'll save for sometime next week because I got some thoughts on Sano as well. Uh, but I think overall... Uh, the Twins need to get a Nelson Cruz, your standard DH archetype. You need that guy. You need the slugger. You need the, the veteran slugger to put in your DH spot to hit anywhere from second to sixth in the lineup. And I think that's who the Twins are looking for. And the reason I say interesting is because the is because the Dodgers have non-tendered Cody Bellinger because they were going to have to pay him upwards of $20 million a season. The Dodgers have a lot of depth, as they do because they're the Dodgers. So the 2019 MVP becomes a free agent after six seasons with the Dodgers. And here's the thing. Don't sleep on the Twins getting Bellinger. Don't sleep on the Twins at least being active in that. Now, I have nothing, I have no inside knowledge, but I think the Twins will be interested in Bellinger, or at least will make an attempt to reach out and see what his price is, see if he's interested, because he provides a, he provides a nice bat. In the middle of the lineup, I'm gonna look up uh, his. I'm gonna try and just look up his quick uh, his quick stats here uh, for Cody Bellinger uh, in his stats. But 
for Bellinger, uh, he's a, a nice left-handed bat that I think the Twins could use. Uh, you get rid of Urshela, so that's one righty bat that gets out of your lineup but and kind of clears the way. But I think it's a lefty bat. I know Twins fans last season were like, should they have traded for Joey Gallo? Should they make a move for Joey Gallo? But now here's another bat. Bellinger can play first base. He can be a DH. He can do all that stuff for your team. Now, who knows how much he's going to cost? That might be the one thing if he makes, if he wants somewhere in that. He's going to make anywhere from 10 to 20 million this season, maybe closer to 15 million. I don't know. If you're the Twins, are you willing to pay that? And are you willing to pay that if you want to bring back Carlos Correa? We'll talk about him in a second. So Cody Bellinger could be an option because remember when the Twins tried to trade Brian Dozier when Derek Falvey and Thad Levine first took over in after the 2016 season? And everyone's like, you know, the Twins maybe are going to look to rebuild again. They just had 100 losses, a number one draft pick, new guys in town. Maybe they blow it all up and start from scratch. And... One of the very first things, the Twins had a town hall on Fox Sports North at the time, and some kid in a little Brian Dozier jersey goes, are you going to trade my favorite player, Brian Dozier? The answer in hindsight was they probably should have traded Brian Dozier because his value is never higher. Uh, he had a great 2017 and helped the Twins get to the playoffs, and they did trade him uh, for Devin Smeltzer, who provided some value to the Twins, but not a ton. Um, but that's what you get in when you sell at the deadline. You really don't get as big a pieces as you think you'll get, but the Twins were trying to trade, they were talks with the Dodgers, and the Twins were close to trading Brian Dozier to the Dodgers, because the Dodgers didn't want Logan Forsythe at second base, or no, I think they traded, they didn't want their second base option, I think, was that when Chase Utley retired, and then, so they needed a second baseman, and the Twins were like, hey, we'll give you Brian Dozier, we want Cody Bellinger, they, that was before, I think that was before his rookie year, or maybe right after. Like, he hadn't quite become the Cody Bellinger who had the national brand and the name recognition. So the Twins were like, hey, this Bellinger kid, we like him. Can we have him? And the Dodgers said, no, we're holding on to him. So the Twins were interested in trading for Brian, uh, trading Brian Dozier for Cody Bellinger. The Twins have had Bellinger interest before. Maybe things change with how his career is developed. I think Bellinger will get a nice offer somewhere. Now, whether Bellinger is looking for a one-year bounce-back offer, I think that's something the Twins would love. I guarantee you the Twins have an offer where they're like, I guarantee you they're gonna if the Twins, especially if they don't bring back Correa, they're going to look at him and say, we'll give you $17 million this season on a one-year prove-it deal. That I guarantee you the Twins would love to do that because the Twins love giving out one year or those very short-term contracts. The Twins would be all over that. So there's another quick thing. This, You know, for a, a podcast on November 18th, Thanksgiving is less than a week away, and there is a whole ton of Twins stuff we can talk about. So this is nice. Uh, maybe bad, though, because it's all jam-packed into one podcast. Um lastly, and then I promise we'll be done. This is a long podcast. Uh, I want to eat some food pretty quick. I'm going to watch my brothers play tonight, so I got to I gotta be quick here. Uh, but uh, I am going to talk about one last thing, and this could be one of the most important things uh, in uh, uh, Twins news today. So they had the new uniforms, all right? And this was a big deal with the new uniforms. They had all the players at the Mall of America Rotunda. And Do Young Park of MLB.com, we talked about him earlier in the podcast saying the Twins weren't live streaming uh, their thing. But the one thing he was able to get a picture of is Jorge Polanco was FaceTiming with someone. And here's Do Young Park's text next to the picture on Twitter. 
Carlos Correa is literally FaceTiming right now to chat with Jose Miranda and Jorge Polanco at the tail end of this event. He, and he goes on, he is still in a group text, Correa is, with many of the twins where they talk baseball every day. Byron Buxton says he talks to Carlos Correa every single week. And you can see clear as day in the picture that Jorge Polanco and Jose Miranda and I'm trying to, and who else they said in the picture, you can clearly see Carlos Correa is like sitting in his chair and they're like FaceTiming him, timing him at the event. If you look on the Twins team store, you can buy a Carlos Correa shirt in their new look. I'm not one to speculate and like this, this all means nothing. This all doesn't mean anything. This isn't Brett Favre's getting on a plane and coming to Minneapolis kind of thing. This is Carlos Correa is him saying in, in September, I really like being in Minnesota. I really like Rocco. I really like this team. That wasn't lip service. He wasn't just saying that because a lot of people were like, well, of course he has to say it. What's he going to say? He wants to leave. He hates it. No, he he's not. He, he's going to say something nice, but he could have just said, I love my time in Minnesota. I will see what happens in the offseason. Or like he could have said, I don't really want to discuss this right now. I've enjoyed my time this season. We'll see what happens in the winter. But to hear him go on about how my wife loves it in Minnesota. We think it's a good place to raise our kid. I think he said that. Um, things like that. Uh, of basically saying my wife loves it here. He sees his family being here. He loves the culture. He loves Rocco. He loves Byron Buxton and the whole Twins clubhouse. And especially, this may mean nothing and it may mean everything. Uh, or everything might be too strong. But Jose Miranda is from Puerto Rico. And for him, and, and Correa is from Puerto Rico, and there's a little bit of a bond when you come from the same place. Like, whether it's in Minnesota, where there's, you know, Joe Maurer coming from the, the same spot or whatever like that. It's not to say it's because it's Puerto Rico, but it's because to say that it's, you know, it's local. You find that kind of guy. Miranda's a young guy to take underneath his wing. You've also saw Carlos Correa, by the way, do it with Royce Lewis. The very first thing Carlos Correa did when he signed that contract in March was he took Royce Lewis out to dinner. And, like, talked with him and got comfortable with him. If Carlos Cray is here on a one-year mercenary deal and doesn't think that he wants to be here long-term... Now, I know this was early, but still, Carlos Cray could have been like, I just signed a $35 million contract, you're a rookie, I'm not talking to you. Because we didn't know Royce Lewis was even going to break the big leagues this season, uh, in 2022. And the first thing Cray did was took him out to dinner. So that means that he clearly... The Twins like this guy. He likes the players on the Twins roster. I think... I know we like to rip on the Twins front office, but based on how the articles throughout the season have come out, that like Correa is looking, he's talking to the front office, he's telling him like, hey, I really like Jorge Lopez, go get Jorge Lopez. Now the results have been mixed, but the Twins front office listened to him. And the Twins front office and him talk about advanced level stats and the analytics, and they talk about all that stuff with Carlos Correa, and Carlos Correa loves that. So for all you guys saying the Twins lean too much into analytics... I get the sentiment. I get why you're frustrated. But there are some advantages, and there are some good points in those numbers. And smart players, good players like Carlos Correa, see it too. And Carlos Correa, I I don't know, his, his, his shirt, jersey, whatever, his name still being on merchandise at the team store isn't anything to scoff at. And him... FaceTiming with Polanco and Miranda and still keeping up with Buxton and still being in group texts with the team. 
He's not, this wasn't a guy who took a one-year mercenary deal and the whole time was like, I'm opting out. You can clearly see that Carlos Correa has kind of ingrained himself, enshrined himself into the Twins for at least the 2022 season. So like, I don't know, man. I think, I don't think he's just going to straight up leave. I think if he leaves, it's because a team just gave him so much money he couldn't refuse or the Twins wouldn't meet his price. And that comes to the big thing of the Twins meeting his price. Now, Darren Wolfson on the Scoop podcast, on, on Mackie and Judd's podcast, on YouTube, whatever, uh, he, uh, YouTube, Apple, whatever, I can't remember where I listened to it at, uh, he said that the Twins were prepared to offer Carlos Correa the richest deal in team history. Now, what does that mean? Carlos Correa's richest deal in team history, uh, the richest deal in team history currently is Joe Maurer's seven-year, $184 million contract. So that's like 20-some million a year. Carlos Correa is going to make north of $30 million a year. He's going to make anywhere from 33 to $38 million this coming season. Anywhere in that range. Now, the Twins have said they're willing to get up to that level. They have the money. There's no big contract coming up on the books. They have, they're in a window where they can afford this contract. And also, the Twins are willing to give him opt-outs, according to Wolfson. So they're willing to give him like maybe an opt, not quite after this season, but maybe like after 2024 or maybe after 2025. If he really hates it here, he can opt back out. All that kind of stuff. It gives the Twins flexibility in the future, and it gives Correa that flexibility to know if he feels stuck on the Twins, he can bail and still be in the, enough of a prime to get his money. Now, who knows if Correa wants that? Maybe Correa just wants the financial security of a seven-year deal. Are the Twins going to go a seven-year deal? I've talked about this on the podcast before, I believe. Uh, the Twins were willing to match Carlos Correa, or they said that they're willing to go in a Corey Seager-type deal with the Rangers, and does that mean that they're willing to go, They're not willing to go 10 years, or are they not willing to pay $325 million over 10 years? So, like, are the Twins, is it the number per year that they don't want to pay, or is it the amount of years they have to pay? And based on how the Twins do contracts, I have to feel that they honestly don't care how much he's making a season. I think it's how committed are they to that money per year down the road. And the Twins are always forward-thinking in their contracts down the road. So I think the Twins are willing to pay Correa $35 million, even more than that, a season. Now, are they going to pay him for 7 to 10 years? I don't think the Twins are willing to go there. But if the Twins offered him a five-year contract where they, he gets $35 million a year and maybe has like a team opt-in like a couple years after, has like a five-year deal essentially. If you give Correa a five-year deal with $38 million a year, I think the Twins do that because Buxton's making a decent chunk of change. I get that, but his contract is incentive-based. He's only making like 10 to $15 million base salary. And outside of that... The Twins are paying no one, absolutely no one. There is money to be spent on the Twins uh, for Carlos Correa. And the Twins know that, and they're willing to meet that. Whether or not they actually cross the finish line is a whole nother conversation. But I think the Twins are saying all the right things. I think Carlos Correa is doing all the right things in terms of him coming back to Minnesota. I just think the window is there, and I'm going to be a homer, and I'm going to... I mean, this is a Twins podcast. I'm going to get a little overexcited. The, I'm, I'm not saying Carlos Correa is coming to Minnesota or that a deal is imminent. This thing could drag out a while. All I'm saying is I think Minnesota is going to be higher on his list maybe than Twins fans thought a month ago or even the national baseball fan. I don't think the national baseball fans realize this Carlos Correa Twins connection. I think they thought it was a mercenary deal purely and that he was waiting to get paid by the Dodgers this season. Maybe that happens. 
But I think the Twins are going to be one of the last teams standing. I don't think the Twins are going to be one of the first to drop out. But the Twins, of course, want to hear from Carlos Correa ASAP so they can allocate that money. But who knows? It's up to Correa. So we'll find out. But I think the Twins have a more probable than not shot to land Correa. I'm going to get out over my skis here. I think it's more likely than not Carlos Correa comes back to the Twins in 2023. But I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. So there you go. This is a very long Bombs Away podcast. Welcome back, everyone. It's awesome to get to talk to you again and share Twins insight. It's going to be a fun winter to talk about Twins baseball because there's no lockout looming. It's going to be fun to talk about the Minnesota Twins and break down position by position through the offseason, where they go, who they have coming up, what does 2023 look like. All that is planned coming up this winter uh, on the Bombs Away podcast podcast so again you can find us on spotify apple wherever you get your podcast we're also planning some stuff coming up in 2023 as well Uh, so stay tuned for that down the pipeline uh, for more types of content but for now i'm cj baumgartner this has been bombs away